Do you love horror films? Well, we do. Hey, and we've got one for you this week. Hereditary. That's right. The 2018 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Ari Aster. I mean, this film, it has it all. And we go in all kinds of directions. Welcome to Adult Beverage Podcast, where we will be talking films, new and old. He's looking at you, kid. Did we just become best friends? Yep. As well as anything else in the entertainment world, while enjoying an adult beverage in hand. Welcome to the podcast about hereditary. Who's excited about this film? Yay. Oh man, you can tell we're just coming out of the coronavirus lockdown and we're still in it here. So we're doing this and, and we want to, you know, tell you right up front, we're, we're doing this live from uh, each one of us is at our own house. And, uh, but we, we want to make sure we get this out to you. So uh, first of all, we've got Patrick Keenan. Hello. Welcome to the adult Hello, beverage Patrick. podcast. Yeah. How's it going at your place? It's quiet. <laughs> there we go. All right. And we got Laura Truman. Hello. Hey Laura, what's happening in your place? Any uh new new cats or anything like that coming around? No, the house? no, same old cat. Um uh, same old dogs. Uh, everything's good and also quiet. Well good. And then we've got a uh, squeaker on uh helping out here. He's Rieger's probably been in the longest hibernation of all of us. How many days have you been in this now? Uh, two, three weeks. Wow. I've kind of yeah. done the same thing except for grocery shopping. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, I started good. my car yesterday for the first time in about. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's get to what we're here to talk about, and that is uh, this lovely movie, Hereditary. Um uh, you know, this is a, a film, you know, it's a, an American supernatural horror film uh, that was written and directed by uh, Ari Aster. Um, <laughs> and this was his first a funny name. film. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's the first film, uh, which I think is, you know, for a directorial uh, debut is pretty it's insane. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. for a first feature. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, it brings in so many aspects but but let's get to the the very start of this film and then let's kind of work our way through it um because we are doing this from a different you know perspective we're not in the studio and we're uh we're all in our own little studios at our houses um you know you know this is a film about pretty much takes place mostly in a house um uh you know and and i think it brings into so many different perspectives on this film but what's what is the thing about this film that uh, first of all let me ask this did you guys like it or not and let's just kind of go around the table and it, and let's talk about was this the first time you've seen this film also so patrick you want to oh, start it yeah. off uh i really like this movie but i've also seen it four times now the first time i saw it i kind of liked it but i was i couldn't process what i had seen uh because it's a pretty heavy uh movie to watch and now every time i watch it i notice something else and i go wow this freaking ari aster guy is pretty fucking brilliant uh even today noticed more stuff that i hadn't noticed before so i do yeah. i dig and it how about laura laura what's your uh, perception on this film this was my second viewing and um you can catch a lot more uh symbolism the second viewing around. Um, it really, really helps to give it at least two watches because like on that first go around, you just don't even know what you've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that a hundred percent. I mean, the first time I watched it, it, it sort of, I was so much trying to figure out the storyline and where it was going and, you know, what aspects they were, they were going to bring with this as well as, you know, kind of breaking down the scripts and, and how that was going to happen. You get a completely different perspective the second time you watch it. And the third time is even different, you know, more detailed. And, um, you know, I actually watched it one time with no, nothing, no audio at all. Um, and that's a different perspective because this film has got so many little clues hidden in it that you don't even see, 
because you're you know you're so involved in the characters and the story and what's going on with it, it it's really intriguing. Uh, Squeaker, you know, what what was your thoughts on it? Was this your first time seeing it? Yeah, so I think it's funny that we're kind of all in different spots with it. Um, this was my first time watching, and I just finished it about an hour ago. So what Patrick talked about, that's kind of where I am, and not like what did I just watch. Um, well, what were your I thoughts on it? Like, I so to me. I guess the story is probably the part I like the least. Like I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought the acting was great. Directing was great. The story to me, and again, it's kind of probably just from that haven't processed it yet, but that, that was the part that I, I guess I was, I liked the least. The story part. Yeah. Just, and I I wouldn't say I like, so let me try to say what I mean by that. It's, as you're watching it that first time, like you said, you're trying to put everything together. So I'm, I don't even know really how it, how it's all connected yet, but I know that I did like everything else about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think the first time you watch it, you get this sort of, there's a lot of information thrown at you and there's a lot of guessing the whole time you're guessing what's going on. Uh, The one thing that I really, really, really enjoyed about this film um, is the fact that it doesn't, um, it doesn't give away the ending. It doesn't give away what's happening. And you don't really know until the very end really what's happened. And then even then you start to think, well, maybe this could be some other aspects and thoughts. And I, I think he did a, a tremendous job in this. And A24, first of all, I got to give those guys like boop, boop. Know, two big thumbs oh, up because yeah. uh, this is this, you know, for you to come up and take this and script and, and say, we're going to do it. Uh, you know, for $10 million um, with the actors that are in it, it I think it's impressive. Uh, it just, it's a phenomenal film in my yeah. opinion. I think, honestly, I put it up there as one of the, I, I always classify a great film as something you want to watch more than once and something that you, each time you get something different from it, you know, like a Stanley Kubrick film or something where you're constantly grabbing little pieces and little uh, aspects. This is that kind of film. And there's just so many, the characters are so good. It's like, to me, it's like a little pawn game, you know, a a chess game. Uh, And each one of the little characters are like pawns in this being. Like in a little dollhouse. Right. Exactly. Very, very neat. You know, uh, very well done. Oh, that's fantastic. uh, I do want to go back. The more you watch it, the more you go. The ending was not like kept a secret as well as well as you think there's so many clues and so much uh foreshadowing in there that you kind of like when you the first time you're watching you're like oh it's a family drama la 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 then charlie's head pops off and you go what the fuck (laughs) and then uh and then you still have more it's family drama for like the first hour and then the second hour it just goes progressively more batshit supernatural and it, yeah. it has it's almost like if you guys remember uh from dusk till dawn was like two movies the yeah. first half was a typical quentin tarantino yeah. type of crime thing and then the second half is this vampire movie and it had that kind of a feel much better i thought uh, yeah, yeah. completely <laughs> different. Yeah, I do enjoy. I mean, I, honestly, have yeah, I have no I, no desire to watch that one Aww. again. Um, but as hereditary, <laughs> I put it on my yeah, list. Sorry. Put it on my list now. Not really. I don't. It's funny when you talk about the foreshadowing. It's like I immediately thought back to even like way early in the movie when the little girl said she wished exactly. I was a boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, and her mom says I was always a tomboy too because I didn't like girly things and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. mom must yeah. have been looking for the boy for a while. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, actually, and then talking about the story part of what I mentioned, like I was actually really looking forward to getting on the podcast because I did want to hear from the people who had seen it multiple times to kind of help me through it, like to kind of learn as we were talking about it here. That That's good, sense. good, good. Um, because yeah, I think, and I think you know that's the good thing about having this podcast is that, you know, after you've watched it once, now we start to give you little details that we've seen and, you know, from the filmmaking side of it, as well as the, the full out uh, script, as well as, you know, our points as fans, you know, of the films, uh, you get a different approach. And then, you know, to go back and watch the film again and come up with your own interpretations of this, uh, you know, because Look, we're, we're, we're giving you our insights and our thoughts and our years of knowledge that we bring to the table. Um, but, you know, you might have a completely different approach to this. And I think 
that is the cool thing about watching films is that, you know, really good quality, solid cinematic films just, and this is, a, this is a beautiful film. I mean, it's, uh, um, I don't even know how you say his name, Paul, Paul Pogorskielski, uh, the, the DP on this, uh, just phenomenal, um, you know, the work and quality that he puts in this. And, and I think, you know, the, the cinematic moves, you know, what I like about this film is just slow moves, you know, not, you know, making, and, and like, there's certain things about this film that really, I think stand out to me for a young filmmaker, he takes this and when there's pauses, so he makes you stay in those moments of the pain and the, and the agony and he holds it. And that's so, so good to see. I mean, it's so easy. I, I, I heard that they wanted this as like a three hour and 15 minute movie to get it down to where they cut it. You know, they had to really work at it to get there and they cut out a lot of scenes that they wanted. I'd love to see them come out with a, a director's cut that has the, everything because I, I don't know if that would help it or hurt it, but uh, you know, you just want to see more it could, of characters. It could bog it down. Cause Alex Wolf said that, uh, the, what made up the rest of this, the stuff that was cut most was the uh, family dialogue. And I know the first time was the longest the film seemed to me because it, uh, mm-hmm. it, it felt like a two hour movie the first time. Now, yeah, it now it flies uh, when yeah. I watch it. Cause I'm like, Ooh, this is coming up or Ooh, this is coming up. And I'm so busy watching stuff that I've missed the last couple viewings that it's a, uh, it's cool. It's cool. I don't know about the, and I don't know if it would change anything like Midsommar. Uh, I, I got the three hour, or it's not quite three hours, but the extended directors, the director. director's cut. Uh-huh. And it, you know, honestly, the scenes that were cut out being added back in didn't really add anything big to me. It was just a little bit more, a, a little more fleshed out, but not enough for me to go like, oh, damn it, why'd they cut that out? <laughs> right. I, I agree with you on that one because I've watched it and I have it too. So uh, it's, it, to me, it, it didn't add enough right. for me to watch the extra hour. Um, you know, it just didn't. Ken, I, I, from a directorial standpoint, like having done that before, do you feel like when you're in the midst of it and you're so close to it, you feel like it's really tough to cut things out? And then once you kind of get away from it and step away, like maybe months or a year later, you're like, okay, yeah, I didn't really need that thing that I really thought I did. Well, I think, you know, the thing about it is, is you need to have, each, each piece has to push the story forward. And if it doesn't push the story forward, then you, you need to, you, you can't become attached to it. Um, you know, kind of like a cat. <laughs> in Patrick. I'm so, I'm so sorry. And, and we forgot to introduce our, our special guest. Anubis. Um, uh, Anubis. And, <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, I think you, you know, it's hard because you don't want to cut out what you've wrote and what you believed in and what you broke it down to. But I think at some point you have to take, say, first of all, you shoot and everybody has heard this probably you, you write a script, uh, you, you know, you write a film, you shoot a film and you edit a film. And really the editing, um, is what makes, you know, uh, an average film great. And, uh, you know, is being able to cut out things that don't move the story forward, whether it's to give you a piece of, uh, uh, comic relief to offset the, the part of the, you know, the craziness or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you have to be able to cut those pieces as a director, as well as having, you know, relying, if you're having an editor doing it, relying on that editor to come in and cut the pieces to make it better. Um, there was no it's comic, hard. There was no comic relief in this, was there? None, there was never a none. point where I went even so, giggled a little bit none. or chortled. I was no, like, not even on the fourth watch. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no! It, it's it's a very serious film, and you know, and I think because it it starts out like you said, Patrick, it starts out as one film, and then the second half of the film is completely different. Um, Wait, there was actually one one comedy. There was when they're all sitting around smoking. Yeah. They were smoking like the yeah. four uh-huh. high school boys, and they're talking about. Um, I can't remember what they were talking about, but there, there was oh, some girls. Yeah. Some girls, uh, right? Oh yeah, her status, her status updates and stuff like that. But yeah, but that scene immediately goes into him uh, reliving Charlie's uh, uh, symptoms, where he goes, I, "I'm having a, a reaction." to the pot and my throat's yeah. swelling up. So he starts going through Charlie stuff. Uh, 
So I don't know. I didn't really laugh that much at that. I was like, so can I say, yeah, that scene under is all, you know, that takes place underneath the, the right, bleachers right. Um, uh, is, you know, that that's a really interesting scene because is he having a panic attack at this point or is it just that weed is that killer high and, you know, he's going through that. Uh, you know, those are things that when you watch it the third time, you start to ask, okay, well, which, which, what's really happening here? Oh, you know, I is thought it was it, his guilt. Yeah. That's yeah, what I thought I mean, too. I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I think that's your, your thoughts on it. Right. But yet, you know, it could be that, you know, he's, you know, that's the part of it. It brings out your emotions of that you haven't had, you know, so. So early on, right after that, that scene where she hits her head, I guess that's a. <laughs> that's a real. Um, <laughs> yeah, <that's> gentle. <laughs> Heads, uh, I lose. By the way, that was, <laughs> that scene made me actually like put my hand in my mouth. I was like, it, it really hit me. Um, I wish you could have seen it with an audience. That, it's, it's, yeah. it's just uh, yeah. Uh, everyone in absolute shock at the it's same a, time. Collective yeah. gasp. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that was a, it was a great scene, but then the fact that he just goes inside and never tells his parents yeah. and just lays down. Well, you know, the interesting part about that, and I did not know this until I started going through uh, doing a little research on this film is, um, the, the story of that part of it is actually uh, reflects a real life incident from 2005 in Marietta, Georgia, which, oh, is, right no. out, which is right outside Atlanta. Yeah. in which John Kemper uh, Hutcherson accidentally decapitates his childhood friend and passenger of uh, Frankie uh, Brougham and, uh, and he hits a telephone pole. And then um, after that later, he learns that he, uh, he put his head, the head in the vehicle and then, drove to his house oh. supposedly so oh my God. so it's ba- that part is actually based on like kind of a true story um which is uh, absolutely i remember hearing about it um and it was so funny watching the film and i kept thinking you know this it seems like i've i've, I've heard this before but I, I just couldn't put a finger on it. and then when i was going through and trying to look at production notes and all kinds of stuff on this film i, I ran across that and i was like holy cow now I know why it felt so real uh, to that situation, but you know, that's based off a real incident that happened. Um, and I just cannot even imagine. I mean, I can't even imagine if that would happen, you know, and it was your sister, oh. how you would react and how he left know, the head. Yeah. Right. We got to see that right. uh, shot later of the head oh, yeah. rotting basically. And it's oh like, my God. Oh, that's delightful. Well, I thought that was a, that was a really well done scene um, when he's laying in bed and he hears his mom yeah. going outside in the car to go somewhere. Cause so me, all I knew about the movie was that it was kind of this paranormal, that type of movie. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, maybe she didn't really die. Like maybe, maybe right. she's fine. Like, cause I didn't know what the storyline was. I hadn't, I had read nothing about it. So and then, then especially when you hear that, that moment, when you hear yeah. that click in the back seat, uh, when yeah. Colette's uh, driving down oh, the road. God. Uh, that, 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 <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I just remember walking out of that movie and going, you know, about every 15 minutes going, you know, and just people's reactions were like, you know, just instantly right back to that, you know. It's, it's uh, and I think that was, man, you know, what a find in finding her as an actress too, uh, to play that. She you know, had the look, had the, you know, the whole thing. It was um, great. And, and amazing. And the kid that played Peter man. was great. Everybody did a really good job. Well, Alex Wolf is, is, is the, who plays Peter is, I loved him in uh, My Friend Dahmer. Oh, and to, yes. You turned me on to that. Yeah, and film. to see this as the follow-up thing that I've seen with him in it, I was just like, oh my God. The kid can act. Charlotte. <coughs> What's up? So how'd you guys uh, like the, uh, the intro in this film? Because, you know, it starts out with, uh, I mean, the obituary, you know, and, and the, you basically have time to read the obituary. Um, and then, you know, it kind of rolls into the story. What was your thoughts on this? Well, it starts with the, uh, actually it goes to the model of Peter's room and it just keeps, uh, the camera keeps pushing you in and you're like, Oh, oh that's a cute little dollhouse type of thing. And then it 
basically merges into Peter in his room. And it's, it's like, so good. It's, it's flawless. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things like that in this film that, uh, where we have, uh, multitudes of like coming in, uh, you know, pushing in and the, the dropping down later at the funeral where, uh, not the funeral, but at the, um, burial grounds, you know, for Charlie right. kind of going down in doing some really cool, like kind of like, you know, mixes of shots and, I thought that was the start of this was so cool. Uh, I, you know, I've never seen anything start with an obituary one. Number two, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, camera movements, you know, right off the bat of coming in and pushing in. And, and then you've got this really cool, actually the way they, they lit that too is uh, such, so unique because you come in and you're into the dollhouse and then they merge into the actual shot of the real thing where you've got, you know, the dad coming in the room, yep. you know, you've got it. Uh, so it's really well planned on that side of it, but you know, they've got, I'm, I, I'm just imagining, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty close to it, but a couple of, uh, Kena flow, uh, four foot Kena flows hanging up over top, um, on the back wall coming down. And then you've got a, you know, a nice kick lighting coming through the window, you know, where, where the brother's laying in bed and it just looks absolutely amazing right off the bat and and it gets you thinking this is a little different film and that's that's half the battle is in the beginning is to say this is something different and you know you're looking at something with a, a unique uh point of view and a, a unique style um then then of course you know the story jumps and just keeps starting jumping from there uh you know the one thing that there was a lot of foreshadowing like we, we talked about yeah. in this film um I mean, did anybody notice all the, you know, the little demonic symbols and stuff like that? There were. Oh yeah. The yeah, yeah. The second time around, I saw a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you see the one on the, uh, the um, telephone pole on the, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> That's the one I didn't see the first time. What was I, that one? Uh, it's that same you know, symbol that keeps repeating throughout the whole movie. Right. Okay. right. But I didn't see it. So it was like a foreshadow of something was going to happen there. Um, yeah. And then even in the grandmother's casket, you saw that she had oh, necklace. Uh, you know, yeah. the necklace yeah. on, yeah. Which, uh, you know, was kind of interesting too. This time is the first time I noticed. So we're at the, uh, was at the wake, I guess we'll call it the viewing of the yeah. body. And Charlie is up at the, uh, casket and over her shoulder, you see this creepy guy smiling. Yes. And he's and, the naked mm-hmm. guy later. He's the naked guy behind Peter later. This is the first time I noticed that. And I was like, oh, my God. Creepy yeah. guy's naked now. Yep, yep. Oh, Very. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad I don't have too high of a deaf TV. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did you guys think about the dynamics between, uh, you know, Annie and basically Charlie? Um, you know, because there was a little uniqueness there. Um, and we saw it throughout, you know, through the dream sequences and things like that. What, what was your thoughts on that? Okay. (laughs) I mean, you guys, first of all, you know, did you notice that there was a a unique, you know, the way she treated her, I guess is what I'm trying to look at. How did she, you know, she came off how, you know, she was in this, you know, I don't know. Maybe this 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 cut there, and that the question's probably not very good. We'll just well, no. Wait, say say what you're no, trying no, to say. Yes. Well, I, you know, I thought it was real unique in the mother daughter. You know, normally a mother daughter situation is pretty clear, and you know, it's uh, they try to go with these stereotypical, and I don't think this one's stereotypical at all. No, no. Um, you know, you had a situation where there was sort of. Uh, I don't know. I could not put a finger on it. And that's why I was hoping you guys might be able to share some. Well, light she she is, gave her right. up to the mother, the grandmother. Right. Like she's ultimately right. like sacrificed Charlie in lots of ways. But at first, like she was just like, here, you can feed my baby with your boob. Did anybody else notice in that? That's, yeah. Those are the kind of things. That, like well, she turned around and it's like she's feeding her baby, but then the grandmother's there and like, here's my boob too. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That was the little miniature. Yes, right? yeah. And, yeah. And that's the kind of things, I mean, it was just so weird. Like this, this whole mother, grandmother, daughter, yeah. th- you know, the three women 
situation dynamic was so I, I, I literally still can't put a complete finger and on it. Three women almost, all lose their heads. Right. Right. Because they're women. Yeah. So, was, so, <laughs> women are no good. Payment has to be in a male body. That's true. Uh, Hail payment. Hail. So early when when the little girl Charlie is um standing in the backyard and she sees like a vision of something on fire. Yeah. Right. I never really understood. So like did she have something in her already? Like was it from being with the grandmother that kind of made her this way? I well, see, she was the one that was able to see the grandmother pretty much like they were there. Like it was like she was, you know, still present. Um, and, you know, that was her grandmother's back that was turned and, and the fire was kind of there, you know, behind her. Um, as well as, you know, the time when she saw her at the schoolyard, you know, when she saw her through the fence and she was on the other side. I think, you know, I think, you know, because of her personality and her gift, um, I think I, my interpretation of it was that that was that she was kind of one that was able to see things and, and that, you know, sometimes the average person can't see, um, and she was just maybe enlightened a little better than she the other. That was my thoughts on it. Right. Which is funny because she's felt a little intellectually challenged at the same time. Yeah. Right. Cause you're just kind of right. like, she, what is her deal? Cause first of all, uh, Millie Shapiro has such an interesting look to her face. She seems like an old person stuffed in a child's body. Yeah. And right. so she has this very interesting physical appearance to her. But for a while I was like, I, especially the first time I was like, God, what's this girl's deal? And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, especially after she cut the little, the bird's head off. And by the way, did you notice that she was eating chocolate? And, and I thought, well, I wonder if that's like, you know, Ari just sort of saying, Hey, you know, I want to give back to my childhood, you know, Charlie and the Willy Wonka and the Charlie. You know, well, when, when do you mean when she was eating chocolate at the, the wake? She was eating chocolate when she went oh, to yeah, catch the bird. Everywhere, everywhere yeah. she's eating chocolate. Yeah, she's always eating chocolate, yeah. isn't yeah. she? Yeah. So I wondered if that was something like, you know, you know, you just never know why that's. It might just be to establish she is a chocoholic. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and Gabriel Byrne asks, and, uh, you know, are there nuts of that? And she said, no, at the wake. So right. I wasn't, maybe that was a way of getting, I wasn't really even thinking when she goes for that chocolate cake that, Oh, there might be nuts. Yeah. And that was yeah. my one takeaway from the movie was, man, this girl loves chocolate. Yeah. Really yeah. Right. yeah. People who love chocolate become Kings of hell. Well, and they were cutting up the nuts on the table, right? So you right. knew that that was possibly going to be right. used. And, and I thought, well, you know, because even sometimes people that have allergic reactions can sometimes, you know, touch or be around it or even in the room and can have yeah. a reaction. Um, you know, and then the fact that it didn't have the EpiPen. Right. Her, you know, but she should have had with her at all times. Right, right. Um, but she didn't, you know, once again, it's... <laughs> you know, sometimes you can't. Uh, oh, we have a, a caller calling in. We have a caller. We have oh, a caller go coming. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to answer questions. Yeah. For uh, we should probably just get them on. It's probably a lovely it's uh, Shapiro telemarketer, oh. <laughs> and we should just say, "Welcome to Adult Beverage Podcast. How can we help you?" <laughs> just work that live. Line, you're right? on the air. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Um, the set design. What a what a, a, what was your thoughts Can on that? I mean, that the, house I is think, gorgeous. Oh my god, yes, best yeah. tree house I mean, in the universe. Oh my god, it was awesome. But you know, the, the thing I thought that was so unique is there's so many little things. But did you notice in the hallway, right or right below the steps, um, there was a house? Uh, it was like three houses on top of. Yes, each other. it's like the house and the, built and on the, other houses. And the farther you went down, the more like uh, decrepit, decrepit. And I thought that was interesting because of the shot that was used at the funeral, or the uh, at the burial, you know, where they go down into the ground. And I thought, you know, that's a real kind of like a symbolism that you know he threw in there. I don't know if too many people caught it, but but as you saw that, and then you saw the house down lower, it was like just not real. Like you know, it was like you know, this is another world kind of. Yeah, you know, at, at, and I think that you know worked for the story. So, uh, um, you know, 
I, I, I think the writing on this is so good. Um, and, and I think, you know, you look at guys like, uh, uh, Stephen King and, 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 uh, Scott Kozar and guys like that, that are writers, uh, uh, you know, th- they bring these really unique stories and that's what I think this is, this is, this is a unique story. Whether you like the story or not, which Carla, you know, our uh, squeaker here didn't, didn't, you know, didn't know uh, or didn't care for, uh, you know, that part of it, you know, changes the way you look at the story. And I think he has molded this story in so many different ways. Uh, I, I think that's the cool thing I like about this story is there's no set tone to it. You constantly are battling through yeah. it. And it's like a roller coaster, you know? Yeah. So I'll say it wasn't necessarily the whole story. I didn't like, it was, and again, after just one viewing, I didn't think the payoff really matched what it had been built up for. I was just like, oh, okay. Payment. I guess. (laughs) I didn't, I did not, I I didn't like the, I'll be honest with you. I didn't care for that. I ending. love. I didn't. I love the ending. It was good. It's a Rosemary's, it's a Rosemary's baby ending. Uh, if you watch Midsommar, actually, Squeaker, don't watch Midsommar because you probably won't like the end of that one either. Uh, Should I watch it, though? Say that again, Laura? Should I watch it, though? Would you like it? Yeah. 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 I think you would really dig it. You're a chick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Excellent. But it's these these movies, the same thing with uh, The Vich, had these... Uh, I just call them the Rosemary baby endings because the movie's kind of the first time through, you feel it's a little slow in the moving and then you get to it and you're like, Oh shit. Kaiser Soze is a (laughs) king of hell. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And I thought Alex Wolf was phenomenal when Charlie's in his body and he's going through all the, uh, you know, walking up into the, the tree house and just kind of seeing everything through these new eyes. I, I thought it was friggin' brilliant. Yeah. His Shirley well, is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one of the influence, there's two films that kind of influenced, uh, Ari Aster, uh, in this, and that was Carrie. Okay. Um, you know, which you can see some of that in there. And, uh, the one that kind of throws me because, uh, I don't know if you guys transformers this, cook, too. The thief. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the cook, the cook, the thief, his wife, it's a, it's a very different story and, and completely, I just don't see how that ties into this film, but that's the things that inspired him about, the, I guess, something in his way of that, you know, the interesting. Things. It, it is a very interesting story and uh, it's very bizarre all the way through, but you know, and I could see some things, but I could see if you kind of mix the two of them together, maybe you could come up with this story. He, he, he develops something that's uh, unique in a, in a style almost in this. And that is that he takes the family situation and develops it. You know, the dynamics between this family are really interesting. And I, and I go back to the scene at the table. Uh, oh, it's so intense. Is that, uh, so let's talk about that scene because that's a, that's a crucial is after, scene. After Charlie film. is dead? After Charlie, oh, yes. Yeah, that was heavy. Well, I think like even, even before you get to that, just knowing that she tried to burn the kids. Oh, shit, that, like, yeah. Not right there. I was like, okay, this is not a regular family nope. here. No, but then yeah, that kind of spills over into that because it, it's kind of like the culmination of everything in that dinner scene. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it was, was that good. her unconscious trying to stop the whole thing by setting them all on fire and like just halting it right there? I sort of wondered about that when I was watching it. You okay, Mo? Is there something you want to say? Why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. And say what you want to say then. Hey, Dad. I tried. Try again. Release yourself. Stop. Just say it. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. All I do is worry, and all I get back is that face on your face, so full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Nobody admits anything they've done. <clears throat> 
Um, sorry, I know it's irrational. So do you guys think Tony Collette should have won an Oscar for uh, Annie Graham? I think she should have been nominated. I thought she was great. Yeah, I don't know who sure. else was up. Uh, I don't know who else was up. Uh, was this two years ago now? Um, Probably two years ago. It was 2018? 2018. So, yeah. 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 Um, I honestly think I, I know it's uh, it's very rare that you have someone in a horror genre uh, get it, but I just thought her the her mannerisms and her you know when you see a great actress do something, it's a lot of times it's the little nuances that make that person mm-hmm. uh, stand out. And yeah. in this situation, if you watch even watching the scenes without any audio at all. I mean, her mannerisms are just so absolutely believable. Like you completely believe everything that she's going through, every emotion she's feeling. Absolutely. Every, every scene. And and it's like little mannerisms with her eyes and the way she sort of off looks things. And she sort of does these little kind of just minute situations. But those are the things that to me are what sets a great actress apart from, you know, an average actress. I honestly believe that she should have, you know, been considered at least for this. Uh, if nothing else, right. I mean, she's phenomenal in this. Um, Who was she lot. up against? Let's talk about. Yeah, so if you look at that, it was the 2019, and so it was Lady Gaga stars. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Can you ever forgive me? Olivia Colman, the favorite. Elisa Aparicio, Roma, and Glenn Close, the wife. Right. Oh yeah, and who won? I think Olivia. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's good. Still need to see that. She was good. Mm -hmm. She's good in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, you talk about all the actors in this, and and you know, Alex Wolf in this is really good. Um, He was so good. Gabriel Bryant. Gabriel Bryan's, I thought, I thought it's one of the best things I've ever seen him in too. He just plays, and he's not playing in this overacting type thing. He just, he, he's the piece that brings it back. You know, he, he makes it. Yeah. Like he's he definitely, it, um, yeah. earthbound. Like dad, he's you know, the only right. person that's like got yeah. his feet on the ground. The, the voice of reason, almost like yes. trying to hold it all together. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right, and that's what he's trying to do is you know hold the family oh, yeah. together because it's you know, going and it's cracking and it's going in twenty five directions. But you kind of wonder like what was life like before we picked up and saw this because he said something towards the end about like we're we're not doing this again. Like has it, has she just been like this basically forever? Like since they've been together. You know that's that's an interesting question because I'm not sure if this is the situation that that's the way she's been this whole time, or is it just because of the death and she's in, in distraught from it? And then of course, you know, once your daughter's, you know, head knocked off, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, and there were so many you other tragedies to, in the family too. I mean, there were like, like her uncle committed suicide and there's a, all those deaths that she rattles off in the meeting that are like, right. you know, there's so much tragedy in their lives. Right. And then you throw in, you know, she's taking pills. She's not sleeping. She's got all these things that, you know, just set into like, you know, not being uh, in perspective. And part of it, the first time I watched it, I sort of had that feeling like this film was um, almost as if you're watching something and you're, you know, you're like, okay, they're going to, this is going one direction. And yet we're actually going the other direction. Um and so I was confused almost when I first watched it. And I, I think that's the thing with squeaker too. You know, you, you're still trying to take in all these things, but then the second time you watch it, you start to get a little bit better grasp of what's going on on that side of it. Yeah. And I, but I was thinking like when she set when she, the story comes up about her almost setting them on fire, she says that was years ago when they were younger, but now it's like, so has life just been great since then? Like she did that and now life's great. And now it's bad again. Like, yeah, I can't understand why they don't like me anymore. I only tried to set up on fire that one time. Well, she was sleepwalking when she did yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, 
I mean, people, that's one thing is some of the people that have these intense, you know, sleepwalking type things, they do crazy things. I mean, you know, I, I know, for example, uh, you know, a, a guy that, you know, he does it like all the time and he walks out of his house, you know, in his underwear, you know, and oh, people get in their car and drive, drive away. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. Uh, but I think that's a, that's a good story because it, then you can relate back to these, you know, these crazier stories and, and perspective. But I don't think things are good anyway with them. Cause when they have that family, uh, blow up and she, it makes me laugh the way she said it. Cause it's the way a normal person would say, you just keep sitting there with that face on your face. And it's like, <laughs> that, that was the funny part. I was trying to remember uh, disapproving, <laughs> you know, that disapproving look all the time. So I think there has been some sort of a tension between the mother and, and uh, Peter for a long time because the dad at the beginning or af- after the funeral goes, Hey, you know, you okay? And he's just kind of like, yeah. And you, you see this moment where they've ob- obviously are, are fairly connected, the father and Peter. So uh, I think, I don't think things are happy go lucky at any point no. in time. No. And, and I think, you know, that can be related back to all the family past history and all that kind of stuff in the mental yeah, illness and aspects family. of it. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, how do you how do you guys like uh, Joni? You know that comes in. Um, See, I, w- I was about to say that like she, so she she meets her at the grief meeting. Right? Did she realize she was just like a good person to to get this? Because because I guess Joan she's the disciple of payment. Yes, right? Is yeah, that she's right? in right. on it. So she did she just see this opportunity, or did she know that uh, Annie was related to this somehow? Oh, she knew. Oh, yeah. Well, she yeah. knew I think because she, knew, she yeah. was friends. She was friends with the grandmother. Um, if you remember, I think there's a picture or something that comes right. up later that they and find the, uh, and, the floor mat outside of right. and the floor mat of Joni with all the. Uh, yeah, it's the same right. floor mat that her mother had, and. You know. mm-hmm. So, do you think the original intention was to get to her after the grandmother's death, or was it? Like, because obviously it didn't come to play until after Charlie had died. So was she there either way to kind of set this thing in motion, or like, did she just luck out that Charlie happened to die? Huh? Oh no, they they planned all of that. I think that's what I thought what today when I saw the symbol. Like she couldn't have planned for Charlie's head to get knocked off in the car. So like, well, was it just I think an opportunistic they- thing. I think the thing about it is, is we saw on the pole, the symbol on the pole. So that, you know, but, my thoughts, I didn't yeah. see that in the, in the beginning, but later, uh, I thought that was kind of, a um, it was already planned that that was going to be the thing that happened. And yeah. I guess yeah. if like, like the director, said, like Ari said, is that these things were in motion, no matter what they did it was going to happen. Like they thought they were in control. Like any thought she was in control, throwing that notebook in the fire, but she was never in control. Never. Yeah. You know, that, that whole notebook thing still baffles me. Cause I'm not sure exactly how that played out. And, you know, I know everyone's got different interpretations of it. It, you know, it was almost as if, if you did one thing, then the other thing happened, but maybe that was, you know, what was going to happen anyway. And that was fate. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not sure which way that actually played out, and um, but I think it was interesting on that side of it. So yeah, I think it was a control thing. Is she thought she understood what was going on that if if she throws it in or like she's going to get burned up if it goes in the fire, but it just proved that she didn't know. So what's Peter's role in this film? 
I guess ultimately to become the host for payment. Right. Yeah. Is a mean, vessel. That's a, that's a yeah. You know, but the, thinking about this from a you know from all the way through the film, you know, we see his you know what's his arcs and 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 his rise and falls in this. You know, we he, we see a normal boy almost in the sense of you know kind of maybe a little you know heading in the wrong direction kind of kid. Why? Because he looks weird. You know, he, yeah, for yeah, real. Yeah, well, you know, under the bleachers, you know, um, which is probably where else you got smoke weed. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think like well, we can we tell two of the people that they did <laughs> in high school uh, on adult I beverage. Uh, king of hell, come on. <laughs> so, uh, but we talked about earlier the normalcy of the dad, and Peter kind of seemed like he was closer to the dad's like demeanor than because like obviously Charlie was a weird kid from the beginning. You knew that Peter kind of seemed like to be on the normal side, and then you find out ultimately that that's not the plan for him. Yeah, so because even earlier you see him, he's like staring at the girl sitting in front of him in school. He's basically just a normal teenager, and then kind of things go in a different direction. Right, and then he goes to the party to you know he's interested in you know young ladies and and goes there to I can't remember what her name was uh, the girl that he's talking she had a to, name? but uh, yeah, yeah, everybody has a name. And then actually, he brings it up in the big dinner table scene. Um, <laughs> Like, why was she even at the party blaming his mom? And I, I did kind of like think that was a little weird. Like, why would her mom make uh, Bridget? Her, her name daughter? is Bridget. Yes, played by the. Why oh. would she make him freak that little girl? Yep. Why would what uh, squeaker? Why like why would the mom make uh, Peter bring Charlie to the party? Like there was a pretty big age gap there. Yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't understand that one. That was the the one thing that kind of threw me is like, why would you take your you know, especially, you know, maybe if the party had been smaller, but this seemed like a pretty big party. You know, if the party was like five people, yeah. you know, and well, you, I, guess his, I, I could see it. But man, that was the part that I was like, <laughs> he did play yeah. it off. He told her it was a school party. He didn't say it was like True. real. But she's also a pretty right. fucked up, you know, batshit kid. If I was uh, Tony Collette, I'd be like, take your sister. Where are you going? Take your sister. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was the you know, only way I could see it was that maybe she was trying to, uh, you know, if you take your sister, he doesn't go um, right. kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but, but it's hard not to when he got the invite. What was the invite that he had to him? Bring your dick. There you go. <laughs> bring your dick to the party. So Did he go to other parties where he did not? Bring but you don't dick? want to bring your sister and your dick. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never. That one gets a little crazy. That's in uh, West Virginia stuff. There, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> different movie. So different movie. Yeah, get off my <laughs> daddy. You're crushing my cigarettes. Um, <laughs> kind of attitude. Uh, but uh, yeah. So, but l- let's go to the ending here. I mean, you know, what did you guys think about the ending? What was, did you guys, I mean, first of all, did, did you believe the ending one? Uh, and two, is it the kind of ending you expected from this film? Yes. Yes, I like the ending. Yes, <laughs> I did it, like the it's, ending. It's, it satisfied me. Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and was it what you were looking for for the ending? I was pretty though? satisfied. And Peter brought his yeah. dick at the end. You know he, why? He, he did. So that payment yeah. could fully be realized on this plane of existence. Payment dick likes dick. Bought. Well, no, payments. Well, I, I don't know payment. He likes his own dick. All right. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't know. We I don't think know. he's also associated what with uh, I think payment not only is the king of hell, but he's associated with like mischief and, uh, uh, you know, almost a, a Loki type of devil. So he's fine. Loki. Loki. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How much you want to party with any king of hell? I was getting ready to say, you're not the kind of guy you want to go out and hang out with. But I, I think I read someplace where he was he was more associated with mischief, and he demands that you bring your dick. Yeah, there we go. Bring it. Yeah, I would say my thought. I was I was more confused by the ending at first, and then once it kind of sunk in, I I kind of got it more. Again, I've only watched it once, so I I probably don't even fully understand it. Um, 
I like the people that were kneeling down, the headless mm-hmm. people. I didn't so much understand. Oh, that. I think one of them was uh, one of them was Tony Collette. Yep, and uh, the other was a grandma. The other one, the one that looked like she was kind of right. rotten, like darker. That was grandma. Skin. That's grandma. Uh, yeah. I've got a big kudos to Tony Collette with that dental flossing off of her head, where she's just like, "It was awesome." Oh God, yeah, that part. <laughs> oh yeah. And then yeah. he jumped out the window, and I, I keep the, uh, and then you hear the thump of her head. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Plus, I always watch everything with the subtitles on, so it was pretty freaking funny. Where it was, I can't remember the exact terms they were using, but it was like sawing and thwacking sound, <laughs> and then thump. I think you're right. <laughs> my, the one I watched had subtitles too, and yeah, I, I remember that too. It was it was fun, I, good times, and I like this. I think the first time I watched it, I missed the the light of Charlie entering his body when it was lying yeah, in the. Me too. Uh, the grass and this time, or, you know, out, he jumps out the window and you're like, Oh, motherfucker, is he dead? And then you see that little light move up his body. And it, obviously Charlie's essence, uh, her spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think for some reason, the first I time I missed that. it, or I was so like, what the fuck is going on? Cause Tony yeah, Collette I did too. messed me up. So I have a feeling if I were to go back and, watch it again there would be more instance of that light that i maybe missed because i know i did see it yes. several times throughout yeah. but i saw it a lot more on watch it, too yeah yeah uh but i enjoy like i said earlier that Sorry. that rosemary's baby type of ending i i dig it uh because obviously it was going in a supernatural direction and really how else would you like what would you guys have wanted to see rather than well, see, I love Rosemary's Baby's ending. Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, really the, cool. devil, the devil worshippers win, yeah. and you go, oh, yes. no. I mean, I couldn't see a happy ending. For baby, no, but, but I, I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I, I think because I was so in, engrossed in this mm-hmm. film that I was expecting something to be. I knew that, I, you know, that was the predictable way at that point. You know, you knew kind of what was going I, to me. I felt it was predictable and I knew what was happening. And I think throughout the movie, I was not, there was no predictable, you know, predictability out of it. I was always at a point where I was guessing what's going to be next, what's coming afterwards. And then, you know, then you go to that and I was sort of like, Really? I mean, that was, I'll I'll be honest with you. That's the part that took this from, to me, if we're rating it and I look on IMBD, I think it is rated at a uh, 7.3. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just raised my rating up to a 10. Oh, well, there you go. You're now up to (laughs) 7.4. I wanted to upset you, Uh, Kent. And I have it as a, rated as an eight. You know, I rated it as an I eight. Think realistically, um, it's, it, the more I watch it, the more of a nine. But it could have been a nine. nine. You know, it, it's the ending. Uh, and what I liked about the ending is their hail paymenting, paymenting. I, I don't know. That's not a verb. But, you know, hail payment, <laughs> hail payment, hail. And the camera does a pull out of the treehouse, and it looks like the reverse of the beginning, where now you're pulling out of, like, a little model of the uh, uh, type of thing. It, it has that house, yeah. Feel. Yeah, it has that same type of feel. Yeah. But you got to remember, you know, and we haven't done Midsommar, uh on the podcast, but he likes these kind of simple, uh, these underplayed endings where it's not, it's almost like the the witch, where at the end, you know, right. all of a sudden crazy bitch is flying around with her naked friends and you're like, oh, roll credits. Spoiler alert. Well, that's a Hollywood way. And that's the formula that, you know, you oh, yeah, the end of Midsummer is just a, uh, a close it's, it's, it's resolution number one and resolution right. number two. Right. And that's, 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 that's in every film. I mean, there's, you know, if you do any screenwriting workshops or anything, you'll, you know, come up with that. Um, and that's the thing about this is I was like, I, I guess because, and maybe that's because it's a Hollywood film and you never know all the aspects. But I, to me, I just felt that there was, it could have gone in a little bit different direction and made something. Although the dogs don't approve of it. Uh, Did you you want all of a sudden Alex uh, Wolf to be like, your mother sucks cocks in hell. 
Well, I mean, maybe, maybe that might have been interesting. I don't know. I'm actually glad they didn't do that. But I, I mean, you brought up how much you liked Alex Wolf. I thought once that transition took place and he was now payment, I thought he he played that uh, really well. I thought he was yeah. fantastic through the whole movie. Whether I yeah. liked the character early on or whether I was just like, uh, well, I thought he was amazing. The scene where he's banging his head oh on the table God. and that whole thing oh, was he's just incredible. Like, incredible, and the fact. I, this is something I caught that I didn't catch the first time too. And I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but um, when he was in the classroom and he was looking around and he saw the rear view mirror. Yeah. This was after. And, and that was such a cool shot to me. Um, you know, it just was like, you know, Oh, you're not an, Oh, wait a second. Now he's flashing back without being. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know if that was done digitally or if that was done with a you know a prop or whatever, but it was done so well. Uh, it was it was, was talking really about good. digital. The only thing I did not like about the movie were the CGI flies when they were in the attic. Yeah, they weren't realistic oh, yeah. at all. I mentioned it on another podcast. It just pulled me out, and I kept going, "Why? Like you don't even need those? Why?" Well, I, I kept wondering whether it was uh, you know. What the whole reason behind that was? I, I well, don't there were know. dead bodies up there. I assume, and they're like, "Oh, they're yeah," because they were they're pretty good. The yeah. whether they were flies, ants, or whatever early mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, they were really pretty good. Um, but the ones up there in the attic were just sort of like, "Whoa!" Yeah. You know? I thought it was interesting, and kind of going away from the ending for a minute. But um, when he was at school, that scene kind of made me think, like, "Oh." okay, this is a lot of this happens in the house. This is where something's really happening outside the house around other people um, where it's kind of like an in public thing. Yeah. Um, I really liked the closing song. Me too. Yeah, that was interesting. I I did like that. Uh, Um, I've looked at life from both sides now by Joni Mitchell. It's a, Tony Mitchell song, and it's just the complete, you know, first of all, it's the opposite of the mood that's been this dark and uh, foreboding tone going on. And all of a sudden you're like, ah, la, 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 la. you know, it's this feel good song and very, uh, very serene sounding. And, uh, and the words I've looked at. And they have really looked sides. at love from both sides now. Yes, right. they have. Life. Yeah, literally across the, you know, <laughs> into another <laughs> universe. So and, um, I just think that was a dynamic choice for the ending song. I really dug it. I liked it a lot. Made my smile. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, guys, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. And, uh, you know, hey, we want to thank everyone for listening. And we just want to make a big statement out there right now with this uh, coronavirus going on is, to really be safe. And we're trying to do that here. We're even doing our podcasts uh, remotely. Um, and I want to thank, you know, host here, you know, for being here for, you know, doing this uh, intro house and, and, uh, and, and Patrick, thanks for wearing the pajamas. And, uh, you know, it's really, you like, nice these, you like my onesies. Yeah. yeah the onesies. Um, and, uh, Hey, and also congratulations to Patrick, um, for his, uh, nice little, uh, award that he just won for Mike. Um, Great job. So I want to give him big applause on that too. Oh, what did I win? I, yeah, Which one? Did you forget? Did you forget I thought there was an, I was in second place. You want to, yeah, well, you, you, oh, did. That's, okay. that's, uh, you, you got a big award out in LA NDX. at the uh, NDX film yeah. festival for Mike and, uh, and the film did too. So Yay. it's, uh, honorable mention and uh, i think that was great awesome. um i was about to say the film did too so I, that goes for you too. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. congratulations well, everybody that worked on it we're, we're really proud of everybody that's been on it and uh you know hey and we, we're liking uh all the the great reviews we're getting on imbd imdb so, uh, hopefully those, imdb <laughs> yeah i'm sorry cocktails are kicking I in <laughs> i'd be, I be dr- drinking i'd be drinking on this side <laughs> It's not, I, I be drinking. <laughs> I'm. Oh, can I, can I also give a shout out to, to me and my new husband? We, I got, oh, I yeah, got, and I congratulations. Got <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Laura and her, her lovely spouse, uh, went off and did the whole get married right before the coronavirus. Um, so, uh, congratulations and to both yeah, of you. Yeah, we squeezed that right, right in. Uh, 
Yeah, you did, literally. The next day they were like, we're shutting down the entire city. Sorry about that. I walked that. outside yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait for the babies is all <laughs> we're saying. Just can't wait I for the babies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like all these good, like Kim, Mike's getting recognized. Patrick's getting awards. Yeah. Laura got married. I, I walked outside yesterday. That's yeah. <laughs> good job. Hey, and congratulations to Squeaker for going out and checking to make sure his car was working. So it's awesome. <laughs> it, it did start up? Did it start? <laughs> It did. It did. Stop. Yeah. It did? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Is that the reason why you went outside? It's covered in. Ah, uh, yeah. To take the trash out and to start the car. Yeah. Well, we we all want to say like seriously, be be safe out stay there home. and you know and stay home because this is something I've been following this for about nine months and uh, don't touch your face. It. It yeah. is a uh, it's a it's a major major situation and you know all I can say is make sure you 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 know don't believe everything you're hearing so um it's 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 a serious serious virus running around so yeah. be safe and uh thanks again and make sure you rate subscribe and review and on wash your all hands. of your uh and wash your hands on top of it there's the last one stay home all right we'll see you next time and uh we'll we'll talk to you very soon bye thank you for listening yeah. to the adult beverage podcast this podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors Bricks Wood Fired Pizza, where they bring people together. Be sure to visit adultbeverage.org on the web to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our new fantastic bonus content. You have just listened to the Adult Beverage Podcast with your hosts, Patrick, Laura, and Kent. Love this episode of Adult Beverage Podcast? Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you might listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That's this week's episode of the Adult Beverage Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.